Welcome to the podcast for the 21st Annual First Conference Kyoto, Japan, June 28th through July 3rd, 2009. The Forum of Incident Response and Security Teams is a global nonprofit organization dedicated to bringing together computer security incident response teams. I'm your host, Martin McKay, and I'll be bringing you weekly interviews highlighting the people who make the First Conference possible, the leading experts in the CSIRT field who will be presenting, and the topics that will be covered. The theme for the 2009 conference is Aftermath. Crafts and Lessons of Incident Recovery. The conference covers advanced topics in security incident prevention, detection, and response, the latest advances in computer and network security tools, and opportunities to share views, experiences, and resolutions in the computer security incident response field. For more information on the conference, please visit conference.first.org. And now, please join me for this week's interview in progress. Hello, I'm here today with Slavik Legier, who is the VP of, of Engineering Authentication for VeriSign and also going to be one of the presenters at the first conference in Kyoto, Japan. His talk is Online Fraud Prevention and Detection, Multiple Layers of Security. How are you doing today, Slavomir? I'm doing great. How are you? Uh, it's, uh, it's kind of nice and warm here in, in uh, Northern California, and I, I have a feeling that you're seeing some of the same weather that I am. Yes, we do. So what is your talk about? I mean, online fraud, fraud prevention and detection, that's a, that's a pretty wide area, isn't it? Yeah, it is a pretty wide area. Uh, we're basically looking at how the financial institutions mostly and other companies uh, secure access to their websites or to their systems uh, and what layers of security need to be really implemented to make sure uh, that the security is at the highest level and that at the same time, uh, the user is not necessarily inconvenienced. Uh, and that, in our view, really requires multiple layers of, of, of security, if you will. Uh, one of the layers will be just strict fraud prevention and fraud detection. Uh, so we have systems in place which allow uh, companies to detect patterns of behavior uh, when users try to access their systems or try to conduct transactions. And based on the patterns of detect, uh, behavior, the systems can then determine whether or not the particular activity uh, can cause fraud. Uh, we also have the second factor authentication technology, which allows us to then, if we believe that there is a fraud, allows us to uh, challenge the user with something that's additional to the user ID and password. So basically something you know and then something you have, token or the mobile device displaying the, the passcode or, and things of that nature. So we're not really just talking about merchants and, and online fraud for that, but you're talking about any system that is a com computerized system and online. It could be any online system. It doesn't need to be banking system. It could be the website like uh, Facebook or something of that nature. Uh, so anything that will need the additional layer of authentication, additional layer of security, uh, is something that uh, we believe that there is a technology that should be applied to prevent the fraud. But don't we already have multiple layers of security in place in, in almost every network? And are, is this extending those or, or how is this different from what we're doing now? Uh, it is extending it because most companies out there uh, deploy mostly simple user ID and password authentication. Uh, very few companies uh, went beyond that. Very few companies deployed the second factor authentication, for example. Uh, and the problem for deployment of the second factor of indication is mostly cost, especially when you're talking about deploying to consumers. 
so there's a lot of organizations that deployed the second factor internally within their enterprises, but they did not deploy it to their consumer. Uh, deployment to consumer required historically shipment of uh, special security devices, tokens, uh, which would display the changing codes or, or things of that nature. And that was costly. It increased the uh, support cost as well. So not just the cost of the device itself, but the support cost on top of that. With the new technologies, we believe that we can extend the consumer space by, one, sharing the same device or the same second factor authentication among multiple sites. So you can have one token and, and use it on eBay, use it on PayPal, use it with Bank of America, Schwab, or, or anybody else. And, and two, uh, we are not tied necessarily to the hardware device anymore. We can uh, implement it on the mobile device. We can put it on the cell phone. Uh, which is something that people carry with them. We can put it on a smart card and, and a lot of other devices, making the barrier to entry to the consumer space much lower. Uh, the same thing can be said for typical fraud detection. Not too many companies deploy really sophisticated front-end fraud detection systems. And, and some of the systems that we are looking at uh, have the capability of not only detecting the fraud, but then acting on it as well. And, and fraud really is becoming a, a, a huge problem online and something that we really we, we really need to do spend a lot of effort combating, isn't it? Yes, it is. But, uh, I mean, it's the same problem that's really offline. Uh, and there's always a balance between the amount of fraud that you accept as part of the business and how much it costs you to prevent that fraud and how much do you inconvenience the customers. Uh, that's why we strongly believe that you need to deploy these multiple layers of security some security that is not visible to the end customer that uh, doesn't pose inconvenience. And then another layer, which may be visible, uh, may be slightly inconvenient, but will really increase the security and prevent the fraud. Uh, and, and that balance is, is a very difficult balance for all online entities to strike. Yeah, because you're looking at risk analysis for the amount of effort you're putting in versus what you're recovering, plus you're looking at what is it, what is my client, what is my customer going to put up with in this sort of instance? Exactly. I mean, the way I like to look at it, you know, I mean, uh, there's a lot of bank robberies in the United States. Actually, two years ago, I believe there were about 2,000 bank robberies in the U.S. All of them probably could be prevented. Uh, and, and I'm talking about the physical robbers going to the bank and robbing the bank. All of them could be prevented if you put the metal detectors and security guards in front of uh, every bank branch. Obviously not a very practical thing to do, both, both from cost perspective and from customer inconvenience perspective. So, so banks and everybody else need to really strike the balance between how much security you put in versus uh, how much fraud or, or theft you accept. Yeah, it's a risk-based risk-based equation, and, and uh, it's not one that uh, is an easy one to make for most people, is it? Uh, that's correct, because it's a lot of times very difficult to really save a, how much you really lose to fraud. So the calculations are not that easy. Not everything is, is readily apparent and visible. Uh, a lot of times fraud happens over time. Uh, the money is not being stolen or accounts are not being compromised. They're just being harvested and, and collected. And at some point it will hit. Uh, you just never know when, and, and you can't do that equation. Uh, on the other hand, uh, the inconvenience to the customer and the cost itself is also a little bit fuzzy, so it's very difficult to to determine whether or not uh, the amount of effort you put into it really pays off. 
there's a few, um, I think the word is swag, uh, scientific wild guests that, uh, that go into making up some of those numbers as to, as to the cost, isn't there? Mm-hmm. That's very true. Are we talking about new technologies that are, are coming onto the market, or are we talking about using existing technologies to, to solve the problem? I think we're looking at a combination of things. So there are some new technologies that are coming to the market, like pattern recognition, like looking at graphs of behavior of the users and then determining what is potentially fraudulent. And that's also based not just on the technology itself, but on the data that you have uh, from the past experiences. Uh, And then you have some new applications of existing technology, technology that was around for a long time, like second-factor authentication technology, uh, and applying it in a slightly different way. Typically, the second-factor authentication systems have been implemented on-premise for one customer only to protect one financial institution of one company. And that doesn't really work from the end consumer perspective. Uh, end consumer doesn't want to have multiple second-factor authentication devices offered by different uh, companies that they do business with. They really want to have one device, uh, one token that they can use across multiple entities. Uh, so, so those technologies are just coming online uh, and software as a service approach when this authentication is hosted is something that hasn't been previously deployed. It was mostly, again, deployed on-premise to protect one institution at a time. Uh, right now, we see more of the trend of going into the service model where, again, the devices can be shared, the data can be shared, and based on that data from multiple points, you can make much more intelligent decisions about what action you should take based on different behaviors. Now, are there any privacy concerns about tracking users across multiple sites like that? Is, is there any concern that possibly you'll discern a lot more about their behavior than they they wanted you to. Uh, So that should always be a concern. Uh, In our case, we really don't store any user identifiable information whatsoever. Uh, When we share the second factor authentication across multiple sites, we really don't know who the user is. The only thing that we get as a request is the token ID, just an ID of the device, and, and the second factor passcode. And we validate it. We say yes, good or no good. Uh, but we don't know who that user is at all. We don't know their name. We don't know the address. We don't have any user identifiable information. Uh, the same thing happens uh, on the fraud detection side. We know what the pattern of behavior for the particular unique ID is, but we don't really know who that person is. Uh, a lot of times the IDs that are being passed to us by the financial institutions or, or other companies uh, are hashed, encrypted. We don't have any access to it except you need identifier. That's the only thing that we know about them. And the the end merchant isn't going to necessarily have any access to that information to to draw those conclusions, are they? That's correct. They won't have access to that information except for their subset of, of data. So um, Verisign is also heavily involved in, in the first organization itself. Uh, what what do you see that FIRST has to offer a company like VeriSign? I think it goes really both ways. Uh, VeriSign is really in the business of bringing trust to the Internet. Uh, so our whole philosophy is looking at any organization, any entity that will help make Internet more secure, more reliable place to the business on. And, and, and FIRST, I think, helps in that respect a tremendous amount. Uh, 
is basically the organization which allows individuals and companies to share knowledge about possible attack vectors, uh, possible uh, incidents, and, and how the response should be uh, triggered and, and, and processed uh, based on those new vectors. So we learned tremendous amount from first. I think we also have a lot of, to bring the, the organization in terms of our knowledge, our knowledge of the in, in the domain name space when we run the .com and .net uh, domain name registry, as, as well on the on the security side when we run SSL, PGI, VIP, and, and fraud detection services. And that really is the uh, the the my main focus of first is just that sort of of confidential information sharing and, and using that to further both the, the larger group and companies like VeriSign, isn't it? That's correct. As I said, I mean, we are really focused on, on, on creating the multiple layers of security and multiple ways to intervene based on, on the threat levels. Some of the layers are, are even at the DNS level uh, when we have the technology that allows us to uh, detect uh, denial of service attacks and things of that nature and, and swing the site and, and eliminate those. The other layer is obviously looking at the user authentication, user login and behavior as well as their uh, activity on site and, and determine that there may be a possible uh, fraudulent activity. And then when you have the possibly fraudulent activity, what do you do about it? Do you just deny the user the access or do you challenge them further? Uh, and again, we are looking at different ways to challenge them further. You've been listening to the podcast for the 21st Annual FIRST Conference in Kyoto, Japan, June 28th through July 3rd, 2009. For more information, please visit conference.first.org. I'm your host, Martin McKay, and I'll be bringing you more interviews from the speakers and organizers of the FIRST Conference, as well as interviews live from the conference itself. You can also listen to my weekly podcast at netsecpodcast.com and read my blog at www.mckeay.net.